Well, from where he was sitting, he could hear the debate going on. And he just sat there in his chair drinking his tea. Of course, whenever he would look down into his mug or his his teacup, it had been empty for a good 15 or 20 minutes. He just kind of methodically was moving it around. There were still a couple of drops in there, and he would you know, get one of the drops and he would move it around and connect with another drop. And and he was just thinking, do I ask my question? Because you see, for for days and weeks and even months, there have been lots and lots of questions that were being asked. Of course, their motives were a little bit different. They were trying to trick the person that they were asking, but he had a question. He had a true question. And he was just like, I don't know if I should ask it. At least that's what I think is going through his head. I think he's hearing the debating going on. He's just wondering, is my question worth it? Do I need to ask? Should I ask? And as he continues to hearing the debate that's going on, he will stand up and he will walk out and start to get part of the debate. And he realizes, I'm going to have to ask my question. I've got to, so much lies in the balance of this question. And little did he know that the question he's going to ask would be recorded and we would still be discussing 2,000 years later. And also, this would be the question. The question that this guy asks is the question that ends all the questions. And he will join the group. He will clear his throat. And he will ask the question. It's a great story. He didn't know what lied in the balance, what lies in the balance of asking this question, but he will do it. And we have Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. It's so good to see you guys, see you at home. It's great to be with you in your homes today. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're in the book of Mark. If you don't know how to find Mark, Mark is in the New Testament. So look for the guy's names you can pronounce in the back of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're in Mark chapter 12. That's where we are jumping in today. We are so excited for this year as we are jumping into God's word every single week. And we have a, a memory verse. We have a Bible verse that we want to be putting into our minds and in our hearts every single week. And we're going to be hitting this one today. And it's going to be a good one. It's going to be the foundation of what we do the entire year. And it is part of the answer of this guy's question to Jesus. You see, all these other questions that were being asked to Jesus were testing him, trying to catch him. The Sadducees and the Pharisees and other teachers of the law, they were trying to trick and trap Jesus, getting him to answer a question that would give them grounds to kill him, or even better yet, make Rome mad enough to the point where Rome would come in and do their dirty work against Jesus. But he would just answer all of their questions so brilliantly, they couldn't catch him in anything. They would come and be like, oh, what kind of taxes do we pay? And and actually in, um, in chapter 12 of Mark, there's actually one question where they're like, all right, let's say a woman has seven husbands and they all die. Whenever um, she dies, whose husband is she in heaven? And he's just like, what? Ah! But they were all trying to trick and to trap Jesus. This teacher of the law, His mind was in a much different place with his question. So hopefully you found the book of Mark chapter 12. We're going to jump right in to Mark 12, verse 28. And he said this, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them. Here's his question. 
of all the commandments, which is the most important? And stop, don't go any farther. Come on, we've all had this, right? I mean, I I can just envision this guy and he's holding up his Bible and he's like, see how big this thing is? I mean, it's, it's small print. Two columns on each page, each page front and back. Can you boil it down for me? Because honestly, you know, there's, there's stuff that I read and there's supposed to be joy and contentment in the Christian life. There's, there's supposed to be the, the spirit walking with me and I just kind of wonder what's going through his mind. Is, is he wondering how come everything I'm reading, how come my life isn't lining up to the blueprints? With everything that's within these pages, something is missing. Are you there? Are you there today? Have you ever had that question? I just, something's got to be missing. And he asked Jesus the question, what is the most one important commandment? It was the one question Jesus didn't have an answer for. I mean, he would answer his question the way he needs the answer, but it isn't just one thing. It's actually two. And this is what Jesus says. Remember, this guy asked, of all the commandments, which one is most important? And Jesus says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And before he can get anything else out, he's got to go on. And this is the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You you see, it wasn't just one. He had asked, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus is like, I I can't do that. I can't give you just one because one incorporates the other. It's like, you want to know what the most important commandment is? Well, it's it's two. You got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other is to love others. And here's his response. He looks at Jesus and he says, well said, teacher, as if Jesus needed any, oh, well, thank you, I know, right? He's like, well, well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. This teacher of the law is just saying, look, loving God and loving others is way more important than all those other religious activity things that we do that we think we're doing that's earning God's love. I mean, because back then they would be bringing burnt offerings and they would be bringing sacrifices and they'd be like, oh yeah, this is how I love God. And he's like, no, 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 no. Actually, Jesus, I believe you're right. Loving God with everything you have, with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving God And loving others is more important than all these other things that we try and hide behind. All these other other activities and things we do that we think that that's how we love God. And, And here's the thing, is that if God is love, shouldn't he be the one that gets to define it? And, and it might not be because of all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. It might be, you know what, I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is our verse for this week that we'll be memorizing. And I want you to love others as yourselves. I want you to love me and I want you to love others. That is the greatest commandment. And this teacher of the law, he's like, yeah, 
That, that's it. That's more important than all these other religious things that we do that we get caught up in. I just need to love God and I need to love others. And look what Jesus' response is. When he saw that this guy had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. It was the question that ended all the questions. This was it. He goes, you are right. You have got it up here that you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you should love others like yourselves. You've got it right here. You aren't far from the kingdom of God, but you're not in it. You're about 14 inches away, right? I mean, it's about 14 inches from our head down to our heart. He's like, look, you've got it up here. Great. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You're about 14 inches away. And I wonder for you, I wonder for me today, especially as we start this new year and we all have all these kind of New Year's resolutions, how close are we to the kingdom of God? There might be a bunch of us out there that we're about 14 inches away. We've got it up here, but it has not infiltrated and gotten into our heart, our soul, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength that we have, it hasn't gotten everywhere. Or it might be the reverse. You might have it in your heart and have all these kind of ooey-gooey feelings. Yeah, I love God. Yeah, I love God. But it isn't going the other direction. We are about 14 inches away from the kingdom of God. And and that's where we're going to land today for the rest of our time. We're simply going to focus on that. We're going to focus on how we love others next week. Today, we're just going to focus on that first part, Mark 12, 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we do that? And to do that, we're going to flip over to the book of John. Uh, Very easy to find. If you're in your Bibles, just go two books to the right. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Flip over to John. We're going to be in, um, uh, we're going to start in chapter 14 anyway. And and it's important to understand that John is the only disciple of the original 12 who would die of old age. Now he does get exiled, but he is the only one who dies at an old age. So his gospel that he writes, the gospel of John, and then also he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He also writes Revelations, but um, his gospel of John is much different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. You see, he has he has the opportunity of writing decades after those um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have already been written. And, and John looks out and he sees the church loving God by their own definition. And in fact, in 1 John, he would actually write that God is love. So if God is love, he should be the one who writes the definition of what love is. Right? I mean, otherwise, we can walk around and be like, yes, I love God and this is how I love God. And you can't tell me how to love God because I'm doing it my way. You can do it your way. And, and because this is so important on how we can be in the kingdom of God, Jesus doesn't leave us out on a limb here. He wants to make sure we know how is it do we love God? If it is so important that, man, we could be missing it by 14 inches and I want you in the kingdom of God, How do you do it? How do you actually love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And how did he define it? Because of God's love, he should be able to define what love is towards him. And and, um, John, in his gospel, he spends three, hold on, let me see if we can pull this back up here. He spends 
He spends three whole chapters just on that last night, that last night, that last supper of Jesus with those guys in the upper room. He spends three whole chapters on that. And and he dives into this and he records the words of Jesus. And in chapter 14, you know, Jesus says, look, I'm going to be going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. My father's house has many rooms and I'll prepare a place for you. And then he says in verse six, one of the one of the things that got him killed, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. No other religions, no other, you know, hocus pocus. There isn't anything else you could do. I am the way to heaven. He was like, and I'm going to be going away. And the, and the disciples are like, all right, uh, you're going away. You're coming, you're going. All right, what? What, I, I, how does this work? And he was like, all right, all right, here, let me break it down for you. And in John 14, he breaks it down in verse 15. He says, look, you want to know how to love God? You want to know how to love him? He says this. He says, look, if you love me, keep my commands. That's his love language. You want to know God's love language? It's obedience. And he says, look, if you love me, keep my commands. And then he says, and if you do that, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Your Bible might say comforter or counselor. All amazing words. He says, and I will send you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And so he's going and he's telling his guys, look, if you want to love me, you have to obey me. That's what loving me, that's what loving God is. It is obedience. It's listen to what I'm saying. And they're like, okay, all right, so sorry. So you're going away. There's going to be rooms. Okay. And we're, we're to obey you. What? And it's, it's just, it gets kind of funny because he continues. He's like, look, whoever has my commands, he has to keep repeating himself and keeps them is the one who loves me. He's making it very clear. You want to know how to love God? Well, it's whoever keeps my commands is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. So he's telling them over and over, hey, if you want to love God, if you want to love me, you're just going to obey. You're you're simply going to walk in obedience. And then Judas says, not Judas Iscariot, the one who betrays Jesus, the other Judas. He says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourselves to us and not to the whole world? And at this point, I'm just wondering if Jesus is like, why did I pick fishermen, right? He's, He's like, look, this isn't just for you. This isn't just for you guys here. He actually says, anyone who loves me will do what? Will obey my teaching. Look, this is open for anyone. All the rooms that he's going to have in his father's house is open to anyone who loves him through obedience. He says, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And he says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So obviously, if we love God, we'll obey. If we don't love God, we're not going to obey. So, I mean, here's the thing. We can't go around saying, yes, I love God and define loving God on our own. If we aren't walking in obedience with what God is teaching in his scriptures, then we're not loving God. I mean, we, we, you know, we act like we might love God, but we don't because he's defining it right here, what loving him looks like. He was like, look, if you don't obey me, you don't love me. He says, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to my father who sent me. And and then he goes on in chapter 15 and he's like, look, you want to know how to obey me? You want to know how to obey all my teachings? And in chapter 15, he goes through this whole story about the vine and the branches. Like, look, you have to remain in me. And actually, um, 
11 times in 12 verses, he actually says the word remain. You have to remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. Do you want to be able to obey the Father and love him? You have to remain in me. And he actually says, look, if you don't remain in me apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing is possible without remaining in Christ. We have to remain in him. He says it 11 times that we have to remain in him. So how do we love God? We obey him. That's how we show him we love him. We obey him. How do we do that? By remaining in him. So now that we kind of get the idea of what love is, I think it's important for us to hit what love isn't. Because we can get caught up on this, right? We can say, I love you about a lot of things. Look, I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love my children. I love Steelers football. I love Dr. Pepper. I love pizza. Although Dr. Pepper and pizza, we're going to try and work on a little bit of a separation this year. But all right, but we, we use love all kinds of different ways, right? And so if we're getting an understanding of what love is with God through obedience and remaining in him, we also have to keep in mind what love isn't. And you see, loving God is not about what we feel. It's not about what we feel. Jesus never came and spoke to the people and said, all right, whenever you think of me, I want you to have warm, fuzzy feelings about me. He, he, he never said that, ever. You know what Jesus said? You want to know what his call was? His call was, you got to deny yourself. You know what I have to do? I have to deny myself. We, we have to pick up our cross daily to follow him, to remain in him. It wasn't about these warm, fuzzy feelings. It wasn't, man, every time you, you think of me, you know, it's loving me if you have all these great ooey gooey feelings. Or every time that there's a song play, then it's your favorite song, you cry and it's about me. He's like, no, 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 look, look. Loving God is not about what we feel. I mean, let me just ask you a question. Have your feelings ever let you down? Anybody? I mean, I'll, just, I'll put both hands up here. When I look in the destruction of the rearview mirror in my past, I bet 99%, if not more, of all the damage back there was based off of feelings, what I wanted, my desires. And it's like, oh, oh no, 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 no. Loving God is not about what we feel. Because Jesus' call wasn't about us feeling this. It wasn't feeling something. It was... I need to pick up my cross. I need to deny myself. So loving God is not about what we feel. In fact, let me just put it this way, is that our feelings about God that aren't in the Bible are fraud. All right, the, the feelings that we have that aren't backed in this book, that aren't backed by scripture are fraud. You know, because, you know, oftentimes we can have these things, oh, well, with how I handle my finances, you know, I believe God's given me some peace about that. Oh, you, you know, how I'm going to, you know, use my body sexually and my orientation and all that, you know, I, I have peace with God about that. You know, if we can't back that up with scripture, then I think we've fallen, our, we've fallen ourselves. I think our feelings have tricked us. And here's the thing, we all probably have a story of how our feelings have tricked us and our heart has tricked And actually, Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, and I think it's in 17 verse 9, I think that's where it is, he actually says that the heart is deceitful beyond all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So look, our heart can deceive us, and we probably all have a story like this. So we can't say that we're loving God if we are trying to make it just about feelings. He's like, no, 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 look, your feelings can let you down. 
and they had before, they can again, it holds that, that thing. But if what we are feeling isn't backed by scripture, it's not loving God because we're actually caught in fraud. Um, personally, I actually, I've actually been through this within the last month. Um, and and I, I use that term. You know, that's a dangerous thing, I think, sometimes. When it's like, oh, I, you know, I just want peace about it because there, um, there's actually a relationship in my life right now that I kept saying, I was talking to my wife and a couple other people about it. And I was like, I want peace to be done with this relationship. I seriously was, I was praying for that. I was like, I want peace because there's been hurt, there's been pain, and I just want to close the door on that relationship. And I just, I kept saying, I want peace to get this relationship out of my life. And you know what? The more I prayed and the more I kept going through these pages, there wasn't anything that backed that up. Nothing. I mean, yeah, it was my feelings. I felt strongly about this. But man, it wasn't backed by scripture at all. And we can be deceived by our hearts. Actually, in Mark 12, just before um, verse 28, the Sadducees come up and, they're, and they, they throw that story, that question to Jesus about, all right, so let's say a woman has seven wives, they, all the husbands die. Whenever she dies, who's her husband in heaven? And do you know what Jesus says as a response? He's like, you foolish people, you're ignorant about the scriptures. You see, they felt what they were asking was true, but man, there wasn't anything in scripture backing it up. So when it comes to our feelings, we have to be careful because our feelings about God that aren't backed in the Bible are fraud. So it's not just about our feelings. We have to be very careful there. And, and here's the other thing is what loving God is not. Loving God is not about what we believe. And, and l- let me explain this just, just a little bit. Um, because so often we can think, oh, I believe and I'm good. Well, Jesus never did that either. He never came and did these miracles simply so we could check a box and say, I believe. I mean, he would have done a lot more miracles, I think, if that was the case. He would have like picked up literal mountains and moved them around and stuff and made people giraffes. And, you know, he probably would have pointed to the water and had these fish jump up, sing a song, dance around, and then go back into the water and just say, all right, how many of you believe? Oh, yeah, after seeing that, I believe. All right, go home. See you later. Nothing else. The belief in Jesus was never a checkbox. In fact, you know, we can put it this way, is that our belief in God, if not backed by obedience, is the same as the demons. I don't know. I kind of like that one. And this this is actually James 2. James 2, the brother, uh, James, not the second James, James, the brother of Jesus, in his letter, James chapter 2, he actually talks about that. He's like, look, so you believe in God? Or so you believe in Jesus? You believe Jesus was here? He died on the cross for the sins? Okay, so you believe all that? Great. You know what? Demons have that kind of faith. Bravo. You've got the same amount of faith as the demons. And I know you might be like, whoa, whoa, hold on, Steve. You said if it was in scripture, then it could be backed up. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And it's like, all right, all right hold on. What do you think belief means? Do you think that and what John meant when he wrote that contradicts everything he's writing here as far as there is obedience to God and that's what love is to God, is obedience? So it it doesn't contradict itself. It actually goes together very, very nicely. Because you see, Jesus didn't come just for a mind or a heart change. He came for a life change. That in, in, um, in John 3, 16, when he talks about believing that Jesus died on the cross and that God sent him and he sacrificed his son on the cross 
for your sins, for my sins. That, that word belief is, um, I looked it up on Google in the Greek, and I want to say it was like pistos. Um, don't quote me on that. We're not going to teach that to the kids in Big House. But, um, but what that really means is, is that you have a belief in Jesus that literally changes everything in you. And which goes right along with what John's saying. But just to say, oh, I believe because I saw this. I believe because he did that. That's not belief in Jesus. That's fraudulent as well. True belief in Jesus equals this. It equals life change. Because when we really dig into John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. It didn't say when he's talking about loving the world, it didn't say for God so loved the world that he thought about you often. It doesn't say that. It said, no, no, no. It said for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, believes in him, meaning you believe Jesus came, he was sinless, he died and his blood on the cross covered your sins and my sins so we can have relationship with our heavenly father. Man, when you believe in that, then it should change everything else that's coming out of you. That's what belief means. It is a complete life change. It's not just a checkbox of, oh yeah, I believe. Yep, uh-uh, no, 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 no. It's a life change because here's what's important. Love, love is a choice that's backed by action. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He actioned. He gave. He didn't think about you. He didn't get all warm and fuzzy. No. His love was a choice backed by action. For God so loved you, for God so loved me that he gave his one and only son for you and for me. That anyone who believes in him would be changed forever. And accepting him as our savior would change everything about our lives. So we truly want to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. That it just just seeps down into every ounce of our being and everything we do is in obedience to God. And that's what loving God is. Love, it's a choice and it's backed by our actions. We don't get to define love. God does because God is love. And John also wrote this. I just We're gonna hit this real quick right before we, we wrap this up. John hit this real quick in, um, in 1 John chapter two. Look at this, he says, we know that we have come to know him when we have warm, fuzzy thoughts about him. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's, that's not in the Bible there because that's not what he said. He actually says, no, 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 no. We know that we have come to know him if, circle, highlight, underline, if, how do we know that we're loving God? If we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him, but does not do what he says or do, does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But, but if anyone obeys, circle, highlight, underline his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I mean, did you catch this? If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And we will live like Jesus did. So what does it look like to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? 
It looks like obedience. That's his definition. Following his book and being, all right, what do I need to change in here? Because look, look, there's, there's pages in here that, whew, man, I struggle with. And I shouldn't want to change this. This should want to change me. God, I want to love you. Will you teach me how to love you better in this area? Because I struggle here. Because his definition of obedience, or his definition of love is obedience. It's like, look, if you want to love me, you're going to obey me. And how do you do that? Well, in John 15, he tells us 11 times, you remain in me. And if you do that, your joy will be complete. You'll be able to live this life out as a Christian. Doesn't mean it'll be easy, but your joy, you will have joy. You will have completeness if we remain in him. So how do we love God? Through obedience. How do we do that? How do we do what he said? We remain in him. He sends us the Holy Spirit to teach us the way and to be with us through the way. Because you see, it's no different. God so loved the world that he gave. It was an action. He loved you. He loved me. So he actioned it. He gave. The same is true for us with God. If we're going to love him, our action, our choice in that is going to be, man, I'm going to honor him with what he says, with how I'm supposed to live my life for him. And my joy will be complete. Now, here's the thing. There might be some of you out there and you're 14 inches away from the kingdom. You, you, you may have known about some of the stories. You may have heard some of the stuff about Jesus, but man, it has not made its way down and penetrated your heart. Because remember to love God, how do we do it? It's with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. It should encompass everything of who we are and walking in obedience with him. And we're able to do that by remaining in him. And there might be some of you out there today that even though you may have heard some of the stories, you may have heard the name before, you even knew John 3.16, you're 14 inches away. You're 14 inches away from the kingdom. And if you've never made that decision, if you've never made the choice to love God back by the first action of accepting what he sent his son to do on your behalf and on my behalf, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And you can either say this in your own words or you could repeat that for me, but just if that's you and you want to start loving God right now, today, your first action is to accept his son as your savior. So just close your eyes and just say, Heavenly Father, it feels like I've been a lot farther than 14 inches away from you. But God, I've come to realize today that you are closer than I ever thought you were. God, I thank you for the fact that your definition of love was action. And that action was you sent your son to this earth to die for my sins. And he lived a perfect life. God, I do believe in that perfect life. And I believe he took a death on a cross and his blood on that cross covered my sins. God, will you please please, will you forgive me of my sins? And will you please send the Holy Spirit to live inside of me? Help me to walk in obedience to you because I want to learn how to love you. 
Will you continuously show me how you love me and teach me how to love you back? Teach me how to obey you. Help me to remain in you because I know outside of you, I can do nothing. Thank you for saving my life. My belief in you is not a checkbox. It is a complete life change. And starting today, I want to live every ounce of my being in my heart, in my mind, with my soul, and with all of my strength. I want to love you back. And I want to do it with my actions. Thank you for saving my life in Jesus' name. Amen. And if that was you, and if you said that prayer, then today is the greatest day in the world. It certainly is because the heaven and the angels are going crazy because you just made the most important decision you could have ever made in your entire life. And we want to not just celebrate with you, we want to walk with you in that journey. So make sure you put it in the comments or you tell whoever you are with at your see you at home that today is my day, that you made the decision that you're going to follow Jesus the rest of your life. And it doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means, man, your love for God is going to be a choice backed by action. And for the rest of us where we've already made that decision in our lives, the worship team is going to lead us right now in a time of worshiping God through song. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me is simply this. How far have I been from the kingdom of God? Have I been 14 inches? I've known it, but man, my actions haven't shown it recently. And as I launch into this year, man, I want to put this, I want to put this verse in my mind and in my heart that I want to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. God, will you give me the strength to remain in you? So as we worship him through song, allow God to stir in you whatever it is he's stirring in you so we can choose every single day to love him back by our actions.